the most challenging entrepreneurs sometimes are the ones that don't need to sell and they're cash flowing a whole metric ton of money and they're curious what the market is. Yep. At the same time, that's the best time to sell when you don't need to. Yep. The worst time to sell is when the business is declining and when things are going down, buyers will run from it. Welcome into the show today, Nate Lind of Website Closers. How are we doing, brother? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm excited for today's episode because I think it's very um, aligned with the you know current landscape of where we find ourselves in the world and the economy and, and there being some really great opportunities out there for uh, at least the right people. And a lot of people sitting flush with cash or looking for opportunities as we go into some more turbulent times. And uh, this is your world, you know, selling businesses, specifically online businesses, correct? That's exactly right. Yeah, I was uh, looking to buy an online business myself uh, over a decade ago. And uh, that it didn't meet my due diligence and requirements to transition and take over the business. The person was way too invested with their personal branding and written a book and everything was like all around like them. So I couldn't really buy them. Yeah. I wanted to buy the business and um, ended up just launching um, the idea for selling. It was a supplements company. So I ended up just starting a supplement company, ran that for over a decade and uh, started selling some other pieces of technology I built around it. And um, met the the founders of Website Closers in 2018. Uh, I was running... I had my own trade show at that point in time. I, I love networking with people. I love working with entrepreneurs and helping them on their journey and collaborating with everybody. And But as an e-commerce entrepreneur, you can't really collaborate with your competitors. You can share a little bit of you know industry knowledge and stuff like that, but you can't really work together. You get your own thing. Uh, but I met the founders of Website Closers at an event, a speaker um, that I had hired or, or had collaborated with to come speak at my event, sold his company with him. I met uh, Jason Aran and the rest was history. I couldn't see anything but you know myself becoming a business broker. I'd already sold a couple of ventures and I love mergers and acquisitions. I didn't know a whole lot about it, even going through it myself once or twice. Um, so as I became a business broker, I've guided dozens of people through the process. We're a big marketplace. We've got over 100 businesses for sale right now. We we sell at any one point in time about a half a billion dollars a year. So I've got a lot of experience since then. And uh, it's just awesome. You know, it's like the pinnacle of entrepreneurship. We start these companies. We aspire to get passive income, find out that's really hard. <laughs> we were working way too many hours. <laughs> we're not spending near as much time with our family as we want. And then we say, heck with this. I want to do something different. And we either shut it down blow it up or sell it. And I'm here to tell you, I've done all three. Uh, it's way funner to exit it, sell it, make money than it is to blow it up or shut it down. Well, I think we can uh, we can definitely cover a couple sides of the fence or sides of the coin in terms of maybe how to, if you are a business owner and you are thinking about selling, how to maximize the sale of your business, which obviously you've got a great book, Maximum Exit. That well, <laughs> people can uh, can find on online, which we'll we'll link all that up at millionermindcast.com in the show notes for those that want to check that out. Um, and then we can talk about you know people that are looking to acquire and, and what does that process look like. What what is maybe first starting in your opinion? What is the you know you got the brick and mortar stuff right? The brick and mortar businesses, and then you have you know this 
online world of businesses. Talk about why you guys decided to focus in the online world and really where you see the opportunities in that space being something that you really niche down to. Yeah, well, the buyer market is massive when you uh, take away the geographic constraint of a brick and mortar presence. So if you're selling something in Baltimore, you're stuck pretty much with buyers in Baltimore. Whereas if you live in Baltimore and you're selling, I don't know, hair clips or or eyelash extensions uh, from your facility, you're shipping all around the world. Guess what? You've got buyers from all around the world, won't you? So we've got way more buyers uh, for these online businesses than we would if it was just very like local to a geographic area. And that's a big reason why I went as I was a real estate investor in the 2000s. Got my teeth knocked out in 2008. I had a ton of wins, but I had a massive, you know, smash to the face in 2008. And I thought to myself, I want to go somewhere where I'm not so constrained geographically, so that I'm not stuck with the market correction in the Northern Virginia area, which is I lived outside of DC, and the Northern Virginia area lost 40% of its equity from 2007 through 2009, and it kind of lingered on to 2012. And that was when I started looking for something online. I wanted something that was like a check register machine going 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's what an online business can do. Um, If it's a service-related business, it's not quite the same, but uh, it's still online service and providing B2B services to other online businesses. I saw a lot of those companies too, and those are are check printing machines as well. So we just have so many more buyers for these online businesses than we would if we were just looking geographically. That's the real reason why we focused there. Well, and I think too, you know, that 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 trend of the online age and internet and and you know the the technology that has really come into play over the the course of the last, you know, few decades but really accelerating rapidly over the course of the last decade and in recent years, you know, it's it's really creating different dynamics and opportunities for people to really scale to really have that, you know, nomad lifestyle, the freedom based on how you want to design your life and what you want it to look like. I mean, I know you're out in PR, right in, um, you know, the, uh, you you have the ability with that geographic location, um, those restrictions being removed to really kind of craft and curate the lifestyle that you want while still having the financial side taken care of and still being able to run and operate businesses, you know, in that capacity. So I think, you know, for people that are interested in buying a business uh, through someone like you guys, talk about what makes, there's obviously a lot of different marketplaces out there. Like what makes you guys different? And, and, you know, how have you guys really kind of separated yourself from all the other platforms that are out there? Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. 
These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers, leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales, and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Yeah, that's a great question. So you can really look at the different platforms by what's the size of the business you're looking for. Uh, Flippa and MicroAcquire and Empire Flippers are kind of like that, you know, ten thousand dollars to one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars range, uh, which are some pl- some pros and some cons to it. You have to you have to fund it all yourself. There's there's no leverage for those deals. You have to put all your cash in for it. Um, then they, we start, you know, usually around 500,000 and go up to, uh, to 150 million. And for that, you get leverage, like you can actually borrow money to buy those types of companies. So my thinking is, this is very real estate thinking, if I'm going to spend $200,000 and buy a business for $200,000, or why don't I buy a business for $2 million with $200,000 borrow the majority of it, 80% of it, just like I would for a loan on a house and get cash flow annually. That's $300,000, $400,000, $500,000 a year. So I'm putting $200,000 in, I'm getting $500,000 back in the first year. That sounds to me like a sweet return on investment. So that's really where we start. We're, we're what's called small business and lower middle market. We're boutique. So most of our businesses are listed uh, over $500,000 to you know to a million dollars on the low side. And on the upper end, we've got some that are over 20 million, 30 million, 40 million, but the majority of our transactions are in the, the single digit millions to $10 million. And occasionally we'll get some larger transactions. I've sold a couple of $30 million companies. We've listed companies as, as uh, much as you know, $100, $150 million. And we've got buyers that want all of those. But once you start getting into what's called middle market, so when you're $100 million and over, it's a completely different game. You've yep. got teams of people, you've got massive, you know, you, you've got teams of brokers and M&A advisors, and you've yep. got attorneys. Each transaction's hundreds of thousands of dollars just for the transaction, not just the, the acquisition. So for the average Joe, the entrepreneur who started something up, who's thinking about selling something, you're probably going to be selling somewhere between a million and a hundred million dollars. That's what we focus on. We're the biggest we do 300 transactions a year uh, of these online businesses, e-commerce, tech, digital, SaaS, games, apps, you know, mobile apps, all that stuff. That's what we play in. And uh, that's the market that we have. We don't really have any competitors in, in what we play in. The nearest competitor, like we've got 100 listed for right now. Another competitor has like maybe 20. So we've got 50 franchisee. I own the Puerto Rico franchise. So I've got two associates. We got the whole island covered. Not that geographic matters because we I handle I I sell stuff in the UK and all over the place. But yeah, we're it's people just don't understand how big this is, how many buyers there are. And I didn't believe it either when I first met Jason Iran. And it wasn't until I started listing businesses that now I see and I've done screencasts of my web of my my inbox. 
to show the hundreds of people who signed the NDAs of my clients' businesses in order to see the financial package. Yep. It's ludicrous. There's that many people. And, and most folks are like, ah, this, you, you can't trust a salesman. It's salesman, you know, how do you know when a salesman's lying? It's when he's moving his lips. Someone hmm. said that to me yesterday. And I, I just laughed. I'm like, okay, well, I can show you a screenshot. Is my screenshot lying? Because I'll show you 250 people who signed an NDA on the last business I listed three weeks ago. It's that active right now. I love it. And where do you see most of the opportunity in, in your opinion? And, and a follow-up question to that is, are you buying any businesses yourself or are you just brokering them? You know, you're, you're on the front lines. You're seeing some of these great opportunities. So I'm curious, one, where do you see the opportunities? And two, are you in the game or why not? Yeah. So to answer the first question, where there's really opportunity is for an entrepreneur who has a business that's at least two years old. And this is this is on the sell side. I'm going to cover all three, buy, sell, and broker. Okay. So on the sell side, if you've got two years worth of business history to yourself, and you've got $300,000, $400,000 in, in take home and in, in, in profit and earnings, now's a great time to sell. Buyers want that much cash flow and more. So your inventory right now, it's a seller's market. You're going to get wined and dined and courted from here to eternity. On the buy side, there, there's a really phenomenal opportunity right now because you can use SBA preferred lenders to buy these companies with only 10, 15, 20% down. So you want to, the, the juicy deals, and this is the ones everyone's fighting over, are SBA qualified businesses that are selling. Now, it's a little bit of a process for a business to get SBA qualified. We'll get into that later if you want. But those are the, the sweetheart deals because the SBA will finance it over 10 years uh, at 10, 10, 11% interest. It's higher now. It was down to like 6% like a year and a half, two years ago, but still at 10% interest with only 10 or 15% down. You, you can cash flow a lot in the business and it will pay itself off over time. That's the sweetheart there. Uh, and in terms of like buying stuff, I can sell six to 10 businesses a year. I cannot buy six to 10 businesses a year. Yeah. So as a broker, I get a mini exit every time my client sells. I just love doing that. I, and I've got a little bit of entrepreneurial operational burnout. I ran a supplement company for over 10 years. I sold $109 million worth of supplements. We shipped out millions of orders around the world. I had 26 employees, a 16,000 square foot uh, building. Um, Great partners and terrible partners. <laughs> I just, I'm burnt out on operating and I can broker, you know, like I said, six to 10 businesses a year by myself. Um, I cannot run six to 10 businesses. I can't even sit on the six to 10 boards. And I've, I've been a board member of fulfillment companies and, and multi, multi million dollar companies before, um, which is fun. And I like that strategy and guidance, but man, nothing sure beats taking someone whose business, you know, is, is doing really well packaging it, presenting it to the market, helping them get it closed. And I get a testimonial video from every, almost every client I've ever sold. I've got over 15 or 16 of just from the last couple of years on my YouTube channel. And they all like clap me on the back and share you know, their words of acknowledgement to me. Hashtag words of acknowledgement. I'm a big uh, five, love, five love languages kind of guy. And um, you know, it just really makes my heart sing. So that's what I like to do. And I'm good at it. I love it. Where where do you see the the best opportunities right now, and where do you see some of the most overpriced opportunities right now? We, you know, it's an interesting market time right now. We don't we don't have too many overpriced businesses on our marketplace, and I think if they are overpriced, it's just a matter of time until either the entrepreneur, you know, the seller, like gets a little bit of market feedback, yeah, and and they can start to realize that you know they may not be worth what they were thinking. 
And as a broker, we're in a, t- we're, we're in a tough place because we want to advocate for the transaction that will get done. Mm-hmm. And not always will the overpriced, like high expectation transaction get done. But sometimes we need the market to tell our client what the value really is. And so sometimes we need a couple of offers to come in and then set the level of where the business is. We don't, we don't always know. You know, this is this is a comparable based market analysis. So when I when I'm doing evaluation for a client, I'm shooting for the stars because I want them to get the most that they can for the business. And I also get more commission when we do that. I'm I'm just like a realtor in that. You know, we mm-hmm. get, you know, a percentage of the deal when it closes. And like realtors do, when you see the houses for sale in the neighborhood, you get the postcard saying, We just sold your neighbor for half a million dollars. Um, we like to do that too. We want to, you know, drum up interest that, yeah, these businesses are valuable and you can get three, four, five times your your annual uh, earnings in one transaction. And that is realistic. Some deals that are unrealistic, you know, it really just depends on where the entrepreneur is sitting and what they're asking for. Um, the most challenging entrepreneurs sometimes are the ones that don't need to sell and they're cash flowing, you know, a whole metric ton of money. Um, and they're curious what the market is. Yep. At the same time, that's the best time to sell when you don't need to. Yeah. The worst time to sell is when the business is declining and when things are going down, um, buyers will run from it. Uh, I won't take distressed transactions anymore. I did a couple in the early days when I was a broker. I was cutting my teeth and I didn't know any better. But um, for those transactions, you have to self-list. I, I'm, you'll get, you may get some new brokers that'll take them, but it's so hard because buyers run from transactions that... The, it looks like it's cratering. The, the whole idea of like the turnaround, not too many entrepreneurs want to take a, a chance at that unless you just give it to them for free and let them try to turn it around. And then, yeah. well, why not just shut it down? You save yourself the liability of somebody you know, suing you later. Um, yeah, some bad scenarios there. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Our sponsor today is Uplift Desk, creators of the best office furniture designed to help you work better and live healthier. You can visit upliftdesk.com and use the code MINDCAST for 5% off your order. And if you sit all day long while you're at work and you've never tried a desk that can transition between sitting and standing, you got to. It'll be a complete game changer. My standing desk is by Uplift Desk. It's what I use every day to record the show, prepare the show, do all my office work. And I gotta say the transition from sitting all day to standing while I work at various times throughout the day has really made a noticeable difference for me. When I'm standing, I notice I'm way more focused and productive. I'm way more alert. And I even have a little standing treadmill under my desk now, which allows me to get some extra steps in while still plugging away on calls and getting work done. Keeps the blood flowing throughout the day, which obviously can reduce all types of different health risks and repetitive strain. And I've noticed that my posture has drastically improved since switching to an uplift desk as well because I'm not hunched over the computer all day. And while there's a lot of options out there for you to choose from, the reason I chose uplift desk is because of the quality. It doesn't wobble, it's completely stable, it's built to last. You can definitely tell based on the materials they use and they are customizable too, which is really cool. They let you build your custom dream desk by choosing over a hundred desktop choices and hundreds of accessories that you can build into the desk for your own perfect workspace. And you can do that by using the really fun to use desk configurator. And once you have your desk all designed and picked out, you order it, 
They ship it the same day. You get free shipping. They do free returns with free return shipping if something goes wrong. And the best part is they have an industry-leading 15-year warranty that covers the complete desk, which was a really big deal for me. It shows that they stand behind their product for at least 15 years. So to get yours, go to upliftdesk.com and use the code MINDCAST for 5% off your order. That's U-P-L-I-F-T desk.com to get 5% off your entire order with the promo code MINDCAST. What, what are the most, would you say, passive businesses you see come across your plate that have a strong, steady, you know, operating cash flow? And what are some of the most labor-intensive ones that you see? Yeah. Uh, so some media companies where the entrepreneur, like their their benefit to the world is they're providing media or marketing or they're, they're a platform. Uh, and they've, you know, they, the actual operational aspects of the business are fairly mundane and they have outsourced those to some cases, virtual assistants or, or just, you know, part-time employees that are doing it. Uh, those are really passive sometimes, uh, some e-commerce businesses as well, where maybe it's, uh, the entrepreneur is selling gadgets or, or stuff on Amazon using Amazon as a, as a marketplace platform for themselves. All they're really doing is placing orders for product, you know, from China or Mexico or Thailand or Vietnam, wherever it is they're, they're sourcing it from every two, three months. And, you know, they've kind of got their, you know, their advertising dialed in and, you know, they don't have to do a whole lot of work. Um, you know, those businesses can frequently cash flow upwards of a million dollars a year. And uh, they don't take a, a ton of work from the the founder. Businesses that take a little bit more work, um, it can be both of those businesses if the entrepreneur just hasn't set it up in a way that they've delegated some work out. Yeah. Um, I don't usually see, by the time people are thinking about selling, usually they have delegated quite a bit of work. Although that being said, I've I sold a number of owner-operator kind of one-man show type companies and they're slinging it, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, but they're making a killing and um, the buyer you know, likes the cash flow with the business. They don't necessarily want to be working 40, you know, 50, 60 hours a week. But together with the founder and the buyer, they transition that workload be- between themselves or into the hands of some other capable people so that the buyer is not signing up for like two full-time jobs, which is yeah. it's tough to get a buyer to agree to that. And in terms of valuation, you know, how are you guys, how should buyers, how should sellers be thinking about you know, valuing their business? Is it based on top line? Is it EBITDA? Is it, you know, the industry specific or, or I guess, business specific? How are you guys going about kind of the analysis of value? Yep. For what we do, every business that's listed at website closures is EBITDA based or seller discretionary earnings. It's the cash flow of the business times an industry multiple that depends on the factors of their business. These could be operational uh, factors, infrastructure, marketing. So this is what I do all the time with, with new client intake. I give them an hour's worth of time. We do a full business valuation. I ask a, a series of questions. There's 27 factors I've got to figure out a multiple. So I have to go through two pieces. I have to, I have to identify and analyze their earnings which it's not always as easy as you might think. Someone's, you know, one person's P&L looks vastly different from someone else's. Mm-hmm. And what they may label an expense on one is not necessarily a true expense. It's maybe some owner benefit and vice versa. So I have to go through all of that. I've got to piece it all together. That gives me the number, the earnings that we would use to multiply the multiple by later. 
Mm-hmm. So that's the first piece. The second piece, I'll go through basically asking, you know, 20 to 30 questions about the business. It takes me, you know, between 20 and 40 minutes to understand all that. And at the end of that conversation, I can usually put together a uh, business valuation for them and say, okay, boom, you're, you know, I think we're going to see, you know, bids in the $10 million range or $2 million range or $20 million range, whatever that might be based on that specific business. But everyone is so individualized. It's tough to general uh, generalize what multiples are because yeah. if someone's business is like going flat or going down, multiple is terrible. If they're going like, if they're skyrocketing, the multiple may be insanely good. So yeah. it's just Without asking that question, how what were your sales two years ago, last year, and this year? So I can see the trend. Yep. You know, then that kind of helps me because cash flow is king. Whether you go through the formal appraisal process, uh, you know, with if like there's really three levels of valuation. You can do it yourself. You can hire, you know, or or have a broker do a bit uh, a BPO, basically like you would in real estate. Yep. And then you can have an appraisal. Is so real estate and M and A are very similar in that those three different ways. You can kind of pick a number out of thin air and go with it work with a broker who's selling these businesses or find an appraiser and uh, and go through that part. But uh, with a broker and with an appraiser, we need your financial statements and we need to talk to you about how the business is run and then we can, you know, we can give you evaluation. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's my first. 50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. In terms of, and this probably pertains to, to both parties, right? Buying and selling with a buyer and their due diligence, what are some of the things that they should really be looking out for that they should be digging into? And then this, you know, to flip it on the other side as, as a seller, what should you be coming to market with completely dialed in and ironclad and ready for somebody to start scraping through in order to really be able to understand where the value is at or, you know, where the risks are at and or how to really build a moat around your business value as a seller? Yeah. So on both sides, everything starts with the financials there. You need to have a clean set of of financial statements. That's the income statement and the balance sheet for as many years back as you've been in existence. 
um, at least the last two years. The buyer is going to look at that and they're going to look for anomalies. And these buyers are looking at a lot of businesses. You're not going to get by with having some strange like inventory anomaly that they're not going to see. They're going to ask, why was there an uptick in multiple digits of percentages in July versus June? They're going to ask, like, why, why aren't things of a normal level? And if you can't explain that, if you don't have a common sense uh, rationalization for it, it, sets off a red flag. Um, as a buyer, you want to look for anomalies. Where's marketing costs going abnormally high or abnormally low? Where is cost of goods going abnormally high or abnormally low? Where are personnel costs going high and low? Where, like, look at every, like, you're going to look at each line in the chart of accounts in the financial statement. And, like, we'll go through and I'll add extra columns and then I'll create percentages based on the annuals, the annual expense or the annual revenue, whatever it was, and then see that on a monthly basis with every single item. And then I'll go in and conditionally format things that are outside of like a standard deviation. And I want to know why. Um, so that's the level of diligence that a buyer is probably going to get to. If you're a seller, you need to be able to defend that. You don't have to conjure up or create falsities, but you need to be able to explain why the business did what the business did. Mm-hmm. And as long as that explanation sits well with the buyer, no big deal. You should also expect that nothing will go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get, especially these larger, large, these larger transactions, someone's going to finance a deal over a million bucks. Yeah. So not only is the buyer looking at it, their banker is looking at it too. And I can promise you, banks aren't lending squat without crossing their T's and dotting their I's and digging into every single number. So you've got at least two sets of I's that are going through the business. And sometimes a third, if a third party quality of earnings is, is, uh, is established, it's not a full audit. And this is something too, you don't have to worry about. No, there's no audited financials and lower middle market transactions, not on our platform, but there is what's called a quality of earnings for deals that are over $5 million, sometimes over 4 million. I had one at like four and a half million dollars and they had like this hundred thousand dollar quality of earnings. It was crazy. But anyways, there was a really detailed set of financials that the buyer had created and set up with a third party audit firm that just reviewed them. So you can't hide anything. And if you did, it's, it's fraud. Like that's going to come up and it's going to be lawsuit city. So don't, don't even try. And, and sometimes it's just naivety or innocence or like ignorance, like whatever it might be. This is big boy world. We got to yeah. spend some time and get our financials done. They need to be clear. They need to be, they need to be accurate uh, or the deal's not going to get done. I can't tell you how many transactions someone sent me some financials. We went to market and then through the course of the of the process, the buyer found stuff that was just inaccurate. And it was no malicious intent. It was just inaccurate. It was wrong. Someone, yeah. someone somewhere in the, the food chain effed up a number. Yep. And yeah, it's wrong. It cratered the deal. We had to start all over again. It, it, you lose all credibility in the transaction if a number is inaccurate because you're either stupid or you don't know. Stupid or ignorance, either of those two do not play well in MA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, negligence, ignorance, those unfortunately are not things that, you know, hold up for a transaction when you're talking about a lot of money going, you know, on the line, right? Now, yeah. talk a little bit about the 
the the financing and the purchase side of things, right? People are going, hey, this, you know, this sounds good. I want to buy something or sellers going, hey, what do I need to be aware of that a buyer is going to be having to go through? What is kind of some of the maybe traditional ways you're seeing things, you know, get across the finish line with? And maybe what are some of the outside of the box and creative ways that you're seeing things yep. get done that could be structured on a on a purchase? We, there's really only two games in town when it comes to financing small business and lower middle and lower middle market transactions. For domestic uh, U.S.-based companies, it's the SBA's seven and eight program. Yep, uh, you can get you know financing up to eighty percent, sometimes ninety percent of the purchase price on a ten-year note, or you know, or on a ten percent interest note over ten years. Um, which well, I do a lot of those transactions, and I've got some great recommendations for how to go get pre, you know, pre-qualified. Anyone that's listening, you, the the links that you share at the end, they can contact me, and I can point them in the direction of somebody who will pre-qualify them uh, for that. And then for international transactions, there's a company called Boopos, B O O P O O S, that they're financing some of our transactions. Um, it's almost hard money. That one's quite expensive. Uh, but they are getting deals done and people are able to get some transactions uh, closed with them that they may not ordinarily be able to do. So those are really the two gains in town. A lot of, There's a lot of folks out there, kind of like the the Carl Allens and the Roland Frazier's of the world who like, you know, buy them no money down. You can, if you go direct, you're not going to find a listed company or listed property that's going to take, you know, 100% seller financing. It's kind of like in real estate, you got to go hunt the deal. And once it's on the MLS, they're not going to take seller financing. Yeah, they need cash at closing. That's what they want. The the, the great deals for the sellers, the the highest prices they get are having lots of buyer eyeballs. If you want to take it upon yourself to go be an acquisition entrepreneur and go digging through listings and cold cold outreach you can find some of those transactions and then it's the wild west whatever you can coordinate with and and hoodwink the seller out of or whatever they're desperate enough to take maybe they'll take um but i I can tell you my none of my clients would ever want to sell or finance their company and then be all of a sudden now an employee for somebody else with something they built the idea typically gives them the dry heaves like they just they couldn't even stomach it so you talked a little bit about kind of being a a seller's market right now, but also, you know, for the right buyer, there's opportunities out there. What is the overall landscape in your perspective based on the trajectory of the economy, where we're headed, where interest rates are at, you know, just in general, the overall sentiment? What are your thoughts on, you know, is nobody wants to time the market, but at the same time, there might be some distress coming, maybe some opportunistic buys, what is the overall consensus in your world around what that looks like from a buyer and or seller perspective? Yeah, from the buy side, things are actually quite fair right now. Um, we saw multiples getting pretty high in late 2021, early 2022. Um, multiples that we're not seeing right now. Uh, so things you know, might have been like a... Ha- and I'm not saying like things were double then. This isn't like... Bitcoin, where it's worth sixty thousand, now it's worth you know twenty nine thousand, and now it's a you know great deal compared to the sixty thousand, but still kind of iffy because what if it goes down to fifteen thousand? It's not it's not like that. There's not that much uncertainty. The businesses that were trading for three times multiple in twenty twenty probably went up to maybe three and three quarters to three point seven five in twenty twenty two, early twenty twenty two, and now they're back down to like three and a quarter. So like things are moving like 
less than one times trailing 12 months multiple of earnings. Um, that's been the fluctuation over the last like couple of years. So things have been pretty steady. They went up a little bit. They've come down a little bit now. Um, but it's still, it is, it is better time to buy now than it was a year, a year ago, year and a half or so ago on the sell side, it's still a great time to sell. Like if you can make three times your annual earnings now, is it going to take you three years to build up something again? That's Mm -hmm. making the kind of earnings that you're, you're making right now. Probably not. You guys are pretty savvy out there. I bet you could do it in half as much time. Um, or do you want to try doing something different? And you just don't have your heart into it anymore. And getting three times or four times earnings, um, you know, annual earnings right now, does that sound good to you? So it, it's a pretty fair time. The Some of the challenges with the multiples right now on the sell side, why you're not getting as much as you would have last year, and what's kind of a benefit on the buy side, although not really, is the the cost of capital has gone up. So interest rates have risen, which has made capital more expensive, which is making the acquisition prices, it's it's compressing the multiples of the acquisition prices a little bit because the cost to service the debt is more than it was. So more of the cash flow of these transactions is going to pay off the loan that it took to buy it than was going into the acquirer's pocket as profit. So... You know, it's just the way things are right now with capital, the way that it is. So we can offset that. A seller can get a higher multiple if they're willing to be flexible. You know, can they offer some seller financing? It doesn't have to be 100%. And uh, I, I rarely advocate for that, never advocate for that. I only get paid usually commission based on the cash at close and have to take massive discounts for uh, for earnouts and for, for equity. So I'm constantly pushing for my client to get, you know, as much cash at closing as possible. And I'm getting 70% of the deal on average cash at close for my client, which is a massive amount. Um, but that 30% could be a, a lower interest rate note to the buyer and then give you a higher sales price too. It gives the buyer a cheaper cost of, of capital uh, if you're willing to, t- you know, to ride with it for a couple more years, um, you know, in terms of getting compensated for a little bit afterwards. That's where I see things, you know, being fair and shaking out. Any transaction right now, the seller and the buyer must be, they must be united in in the desire of the business being successful long term. There's yeah. no transactions where the seller is just saying, "Take this thing, I'm done." Yeah, I won't take any of those listings. Those are ludicrous. You have to be motivated to see long term success in the business, whether you're going to stay in it or not. Yep, one hundred percent. Talk a little bit about how buyers should be looking at companies with debt. How do they discern? good debt on the balance sheet, bad debt on the balance sheet? How does that tie in with equity on the balance sheet, cash flow that's coming through yeah. the business? How do you coach buyers through that? I coach my, my buyers to offer cash, like cash-free, debt-free uh, LOIs. So meaning the seller needs to pay off their debt and it's going to like the cash is going to be subtracted. You know, the debt is going to be subtracted from the cash they're offering at closing. So if it's a million dollar deal and the seller owes like nine hundred ninety nine thousand dollars, well, then the seller is only going to get like you know a thousand bucks. Like that's what most of these transactions are. The the, the debt is getting paid off at closing. Um, you know, the and then so, you know minus that the seller is getting cash at closing. That's what I'd say like 99% of my transactions are, are look like. From time to time, 
we have a transaction that's upside down. And that makes things hairy because uh, you've got a business that's got more debt on it and it's got cash that's going to come in for it. Uh, I've only done a couple of these because they're painful. Um, there are some creative ways that some attorneys can help guide people through this process. And you have to have an attorney because it's very similar to real estate. You kind of have to like foreclose on the debt, uh, give the debt holders an opportunity to step up and, and claim assets. Usually they don't. It's kind of like bankrupting the company. Um, usually in like bankruptcy courts, debtors don't show up, um, you know, it just basically wipe off the debt, and, but th- things just get super hairy. So yeah. usually when I'm on the buy side, you know, I don't put a whole lot of, um, of time on the balance sheet. I am looking to see what debt is on it to make sure that if I'm making an offer, is it going to be worth the sellers, you know, time and, and, and is it valuable enough for them to be able to pay off the debt? Um, so that that part's important, but I try to steer clear of the fi- like the creative financing where you've got to like you know foreclose on debt, wipe debt, bankrupt debt, like that kind of stuff because it makes those transactions really expensive and super time consuming. It can be done. I've got you know some attorneys I can recommend that can help go through that that uh, that process, but it's painful. Yeah, I hear you. Now I got a couple. Final questions to wrap things up. Number one is you're given a million bucks today and you're told that you have to put it in, in play. You got to put it into investing and buying a business. Where does Nate go and invest that money? Man, it's going to be tough to do that today. Like I've got one day to do this. Or, or you, you got to put it in play pretty quickly. There's, there's an offer. You get this money, but it's got to be, a, you know, uh, allocated towards some business transaction that you think is a great opportunity. Where are you, where are you putting that? I'm getting all analytical here. If I have to do it today, <laughs> I'm probably going to put it in bonds because bonds are crazy, like high interest right now. And I could probably deploy that today. Um, if I've got a little bit of time, yeah, I would invest in one of these online businesses that you know my, my colleagues and I have listed um, or, or in real estate. I love real estate, although probably not right now. I, I still feel like the market's cooling. So I think I would withhold to put money in real estate. Uh, my my bet is another six or 12 months from now. I think it's a little bit better play for right now. Right. But right now, I think you know some of these online businesses would be a good time. Now, I think it's a better time to be investing in online businesses than, um, yeah, than, than real estate. I think a year or so from now, I think real estate might be a little better place. Um, I'm pretty... I'm really bullish on uh, on Bitcoin and Ethereum, and I know it's had a pop lately. Um, I'm invested in those, and I'm still watching and, and uh, dollar cost averaging in from time to time. So I think that's that's still a smart play as well. Um, so that's it. Final answer. Uh, uh, yeah, real estate, a uh, little crypto, and some online businesses. But online businesses it. first. I love it. That being said, I know a lot of people are going to have some interest in engaging with you in you know, checking out more of what website closers has to offer, what listings you have available, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, go to natelind.com. You can fill out my contact form. For anyone that's listening, you can get a copy of my book, Maximum Exit on natelind.com forward slash gift. It's a free gift to your audience members. I love it. So be sure to check that out, millionermindcast.com on Nate's episode. And in terms of checking out more listings, more businesses for sale, what's the best place for them to explore that? Yeah. So our marketplace is website closers with an S.com. Websiteclosers.com. You can click on find businesses for sale and we've got over 100 listed. So the sky's the limit. Nate, thanks for coming on the show, brother. 
Thanks, Matt. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're also gonna get entered in to win a $100 gift card. Don't forget to share this episode out with somebody else that may need to hear it or may get some value from what was talked about in today's interview. And for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey, you want to unlock more financial freedom, you want to get more time back, or maybe you just want to level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to millionairemindcast.com and check out all the amazing products and resources that we have for our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, downloads and checklists, the Rich Life Planner for those of you looking to take your goal setting and productivity to the next level. We've got all kinds of great, valuable tools. So be sure to check those out at millionairemindcast.com. And last but not least, if you're not on my weekly text letter and you want to be the first to know of exclusive updates and offers in addition to behind the scenes access to a lot of the stuff that I'm doing that I'm investing in, be sure to join by texting the word notes to 844-447-1555. With that being said, thanks for listening today. Until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.